Hi everyone, it's Joe here from Lawn Solutions Australia for this episode of Turf Talk. I'm joined by one of my, says in the script here, favourite co-workers, but one of my co-workers, Nathan Edwards, and we're going to have a chat about what's been going on in the world of turf, because uh, there's been a bit happening, and also what's coming up in the future. So Nathan, how are you going today? Yeah, going good, Joe. Um, yeah, there has been a lot going on. You guys just got back from the uh, US doing a big uh, LSA US study tour, Um which uh, sounds like it was a lot of fun. You've been away for about nine to ten days or so, and you're back back here. So yeah, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, how'd you go? What'd you get up to? Yep, um, it was a good trip. Uh, we're lucky enough to go on these every couple of years. We haven't been for probably four years now with COVID and everything else that went on. So uh, part of what we do here at Lawn Solutions Australia, for those that don't know, is we import uh, new strains of turf grass uh, from the US. We don't really have the infrastructure or the institutions here in Australia to breed turf grass to the level that we need to. So we rely on universities and private breeders in the US uh, to import new turf grasses. That's where we've got Tiftuff from. That's where we've got Sagrange from. Dr. Brian. Dr. Brian. Dr. Brian's one of the many. Um, so we've been over there for a couple of reasons, but mainly to talk with them and, um, and continue our relationships. So. We also got the opportunity to go to the golf show, the GCSAA, which is the Golf Course Superintendent Association. Um, basically, that is the turf side of golf. So it's all the superintendents, all the golf course managers, all the people that look after grass. And the great things, uh, thing about going to a, a seminar or a conference like this is there's like 2,000 people there. There's a hundred and something exhibitors. It's all the the big turf brands, all the big fertilizer companies, all the big chemical companies are in the one spot. So it's a pretty cool thing to see. Yeah, and you were saying uh, you were recognized by a few uh, industry uh, people over in the US there, recognize you from the YouTube. Absolutely not. I was only joking when I said that. I'm actually disappointed you brought that up just quietly. But um, no, it was... um, we had a couple, <laughs> a couple of really good meetings over there. We actually got to catch up. You mentioned Dr. Brian Schwartz before from the University of Georgia. Uh, they were at the golf show, um, and so were a lot of big turf farms in the US. So, and these big turf farms have been selling Tiff Tough, Sagrange, Astralis, and a few other products a lot longer than we have. So it's always good to pick their brains and make sure what we're saying to to lawn users out there is the right thing, and the the things we're saying about these grasses are correct and in line with what they're saying. For the most part, uh, they're pretty well on par. Uh, following the golf show, we actually were pretty lucky. We we got to travel around a fair bit and. Where we're fortunate is, is turf farms are obviously located in pretty rural locations. Uh, we started in, the golf show was in Orlando, Florida, and we drove uh, south and then back up north into Georgia. And we get to see, I guess, small town America uh, when you're going to see turf farms. So it's pretty good. So we drove right up um, through the state of Georgia and stopped at a couple of cool places. The first one we stopped at was... Uh, a Hoopy Match Play Golf Club, which is a private course that is 100% Tiff Tough, uh, Tiff Eagle Greens, but Tiff Tough Fairways, Tiff Tough Surrounds, Tiff Tough Everything. Uh, it's a private course owned by um, some guy who's who's doing okay. Uh, it's 75 members. It's very, very prestigious. Uh, one of the members is Rory McElroy, which I thought was pretty cool, uh, being a yeah, golf fan. Limited numbers on the uh, membership from the looks of it. So um, only, only certain people get to use this course. And it's, yeah, it's one of the top 100 courses in the US for a match play course. That's pretty pretty cool to see. Um, 22 holes. 22 holes. So there's 18 and then there's an A, B, C and D hole. I think it's where they have their playoffs if you're tied after 18. But it's like he's just built a course for his mates. So what he's got is... 
there's no scoring, there's no handicaps. Oh, so when I say there's no scoring, it's all match play golf, but there's coasters in the bar after the game. So when they're in the clubhouse, and if anyone talks about their round or mentions the fact that they might have played well, the bartender comes over and flips their coaster over, and on the bottom of the coaster it says no one cares. So it's a pretty cool little thing that he's just set up for his mates. There's a um, We're driving to the back of the golf course, and we saw all these like African safari animals like zebras and, and these big pig-looking things and, and bisons and all that sort of stuff, and we asked him about it, and he said – one of the friends of the owners mentioned that it looked like the African safari out here. You should put some animals. And then the next time he rocked up two weeks later, there was a bunch of African zoo animals out there. So the guy pretty much does whatever he wants. So but it's a pretty uh, pretty difficult place to uh, grow turf from the sounds of it. It's all sand. Like it's pure sand. They had a hole dug that went about, uh, about three metres down and it was still straight sand. So plenty of nutrients leaching. The only thing you could put on that area is probably a golf course. Nothing else would grow. But Tiff Tuff seems to love it. Despite being a pretty well-off course, he doesn't have – Rhett the Super doesn't have a massive budget, uh, so he keeps things pretty lean and the Tiff Tuff just loves it. Like it stands up to everything. He can he can get rid of his, rid of his winter grass issues really, really easily and he doesn't have to pump it full of fertiliser all the time to keep it green. It just, it just looks like a really good surface for him. So where'd you go from there? After that, we drove again through Georgia. We're kind of close to Augusta Golf Club, which was cool to be close to it, I guess, but we drove past the front door. But uh, we then went to a town called Perry, Georgia, which is pretty well smack bang in the middle of the state, and there's a farm there called Super Sod. Uh, Super Sod would be, if not the, would be one of the bigger, biggest turf farms in the world, I believe. So the facility we went to, um, they do sort of 1,300 pallets in a day. Um, is a busy day for them, uh, which is mind-blowing numbers really but their main product they sell there other than seeded zoysia grass is tiff tuff uh, which is cool to see and they grow a lot of tiff tuff uh, they grow a lot of xeon or sagrain zoysia and they also grow uh, some australis which is a pretty new product that we're introducing here so it was cool to pick their brains but the most mind-blowing thing about all that is just the scale that they do things on like they to, we're talking say if we're talking to a turf farm here they'll say i've got 700 of tiff tuff to cut tomorrow or 400 of Sagrange or 500 of Sir Walter. They're talking meters. When they do it at Super Sod in the US, they talk pallets. So we had to work what they were doing the next day. Uh, they had 350 of Tiff Tough, 400 of Zenith, 500 of Zeon, but they talk pallets. Their average order, our average order in Australia for a turf farm, I think is about 60 meters. Their average order is 1,200. Uh, and that's retail. So it's just, it's scary the volume that they do it on. But and are they supplying straight to retail or how, how does their distribution work over there with such such large numbers? Um, so, so most of the times in the US when they're big farms, they're just wholesalers. They sell to to retail stores, turf outlets essentially, but SuperSort are a little bit different. They do both. So they do direct to retail. You can ring up and order, you know, 1,000 square metres of Tiff Tough or whatever and they'll deliver it to your door. But they have SuperSort outlets. They've got eight of them throughout the state and they take sort of 10 trucks a day to each outlet or something ridiculous like that. But it was good to see this farm because obviously we were there in February, so it's their winter. Uh, they just had a string of days that were in the – they say in the teens for Fahrenheit, which is like minus 8 to minus 10 Celsius. So it was really, really cold. So we're seeing it all at its absolute coldest and the grasses are doing great. Tiff Tough – had still still had colour in it. Um, we've seen it here in Australia staying green through the winter, but that was good to see it staying green through some extremes. Uh, and it's doing good, but 
the boss of that company, Ben Copeland Jr., is incredible with what he does and how he keeps a handle on things. And I think he's coming out to our conference next year, which is going to be cool for everyone. Yeah, that'll be really interesting for the yeah Australian growers to hear from such a such a yeah big big player in the US industry. Yeah, he's unreal. And then from there, we jumped on a plane and 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 flew from. We did a lot of K's through there, actually. We, we did nearly 3,000 kilometres on the wrong side of the road all up, and I did most of the driving, got beeped at once, so I'm pretty, pretty proud of that effort. But we flew then from Atlanta to San Antonio in, in southern Texas, and we drove south from there. Nearly, we're about 60 K's from the Mexican border, and we're in a town called Poteet, Texas. Um, it's not the end of the earth, but you can see it from there. It's 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 in the middle of nowhere, and at Poteet, Texas is, is what is known as Blade Runner Farms, which is the home of the biggest private zoysia grass breeding program in the world. So a lot of the grasses we get are bred and produced in universities. Uh, this is different. David Dogay runs his farm and it's it's a private breeding. So he owns the germplasm and he is the person behind Sagrange Zoysia and depending how much you know about the international turf grass industry, he's behind a lot of the zoysias that you see coming out into golf. Now he's, yeah, he's more of a sports and golf zoysia guy, but – his farm's 1,500 acres and it's full of research. Um, it's got a massive, it's almost a nine-hole golf course purely to display his soya grasses and it's something else. It, again, it's it's a cold time of year to see it, so you're seeing it at its worst, but what the work they're doing there in new types of soya grass is phenomenal. Like they've got a type uh, that they've just bred that's been two years unmown and it's sitting at about 30 mil. It just hasn't grown, but it's spreading laterally, so you think of the solutions you could come up with with a product like that, it's endless. So, And what sort of things is he looking to achieve with new varieties? What, what, what outcomes is he looking for? His focus is golf. So he's trying to reduce the maintenance input uh, for golf courses. You think if you want to keep a golf fairway manicured, it's say 10 mil or whatever, you're probably cutting three, four times a week. If he can give you an option that can keep that surface but moan once a week, then that's a massive savings for golf course. So that's his focus, and it's particularly with zoysia grass. He doesn't grow a lot of other species. Um, so, yeah, he's looking at that, but he also has a, an eye on the landscape market. He sells a lot of grass to the landscape market too. So he's trying to find grasses that probably repair a little bit faster than what Xeon and other matrellas do, uh, other zoysia matrellas, so they can put them into homes with kids and pets and they can be worn out and they can and they can still recover and go well. So his goal is to breed grasses that stay greener in winter and have less maintenance, but his focus is on zoysia grasses, which is a which is a pretty cool thing to see. Um, he's, a, he's a million miles an hour, but he gets a lot of things done. Uh, and again, we're lucky enough to have a pretty good relationship with Blade Runner Farms and David Dogay as well as the universities over there. So the Lawn Solutions Group, in a lot of ways, we get first rights of refusal to any of the material that he brings in or that he develops. So we're putting ourselves in the box seat uh, on any cutting-edge turf products to have the have access to them and hopefully bring them into Australia. Yeah, and the Grange is a beautiful grass, um, very versatile. So it's um, yeah, it's had pretty good success so far in Australia and. Um, yeah, I think a lot of us in the turf industry, when you see a good-looking Sagrange lawn, you can can certainly say that you've probably never seen a better-looking lawn than it um, in person. It's just it's pretty phenomenal. So yeah, David's obviously doing some pretty good work there. Yeah, he's doing awesome work there, and he's got grasses that look like as good as Sagrange, but they're not growing near as quickly, and you can mow them a lot tighter, and they're. Like we were there in the middle of the winter again. It's not as cold as Georgia was, but it's still cold. Like they're still freezing, and these grasses were green. Like it was, it was so so cool to see. So uh, that was good. And then I guess from there we went 
David, being a private turf grass breeder, is a lot more hands-on. Um, a lot of it's done by sight, um, experience, and on-farm analysis. We went from there to Texas A&M up in Dallas, Texas, and we met with Dr. Ambrika Chandra, and they do a lot of work with, with St. Augustine grasses, buffalo grasses, and also zoysia grasses, but... It's a full-on laboratory, like it's a lab. It is a, it is as far as turf science goes. It's it's the mecca. It's it's unbelievable, and their facility is just it'll blow your mind with the gene guns, the technology, the drones, the probes that they're using. They're actually injecting. Um, I want to phrase this the right way? They take a, a grass that has a or a plant, even if it's a plant outside of turf grass, like wheat, for example, or something that has really good drought tolerance. They have the ability now to take those drought tolerant genes out of this plant and inject it uh, with a gene gun into these good looking grasses to hopefully breed a grass that looks good that has excellent drought tolerance. For example, same goes for shade, same goes for wear. So. What they're doing there is is out of this world, and where Dr. Chandra um, is really good is she's great at explaining high level turf um, genetics to a bunch of dumb Aussie turf farmers. <laughs> well, we um, well we know a lot about turf. I guess we're not scientists, um, so it's important to yeah understand the information we're receiving from those people that uh, do that sort of research day in day out, and uh, yeah, it's pretty cool to see what. Um, Dr. Chandra is doing it. She's um, an incredible woman. She's really, um, she's pioneering, I think, uh, when it comes to St. Augustine's and buffalo grasses and, and other grasses as well. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see what comes out of that program in the in the coming years. Yeah, absolutely. And and the focus on St. Augustine's a, a different thing for us because most breeders in the US focus on cooch grass, Bermuda grass and, and zoysia. Um, since buffalo is our number one retail product here, it's good to see uh, someone really, really focusing on them. And all the work they put into it, like they've got machines that they're using that are worth $250,000 US that they've bought. Like they're, they're really high-level technical machines. What they're doing is they're taking turf grass research from being subjective to quantitative. Um, and what that means is subjective is I walk past a plot and that one's greener than that one, so I write down plot X as the greenest. But they use data uh, to do their research, and it, it's, it's all quantitative. So they have – the data and the numbers and the stats to back up why they select one grass over another. And um, it's just so cool to see turf grass on that level. And again, we're lucky with Dr. Chandra, who's coming at, at our conference as well this year uh, to show uh, the, the Lawn Solutions group of turf growers uh, and tell a story about genetics and what they're doing. I know the word GMO is, is a bit of a buzzword that gets thrown around with fruit and food and that sort of stuff. But a lot of what they're doing with turf grass is GMO, but we're not consuming turf grass. So it's, I suppose it can be softened a little bit, but just to have that ability um, to breed tolerances into grass. So we can have a beautiful looking lawn down the track that might use, you know, virtually any water, virtually any chemicals, virtually any fertilizer. So we're ticking a lot of environmental boxes and it's scary to see what, what products we might have access to in five, 10, 20 years time. And we've been lucky enough, I guess, to, um, to already have some of those buffalo grasses from uh, Texas A&M in the LSA program already, um, which is pretty exciting. How many buffaloes have we got at this stage? So we've imported uh, 16 into the country uh, over the last sort of six months. When I say over the last six months, we import them all at once, but they take anywhere from six to 18 months to get through our quarantine process in Australia. So we bring them in. Uh, they're out of quarantine now. We've had them since the 1st of December. Uh, 15 varieties, there's still one to come. It had to do some more testing uh, at the quarantine facility there in Melbourne. But uh, we'll get them out here. We've planted them out um, across four different locations around Australia. 
uh, and we're doing our analysis on them here. Uh, whilst they have, you know, a lot of data on these grasses in the US, because our climates don't exactly match up, we have to do our own work here, our own due diligence. We did the same with Tiff Tough and Sagrange for many years before we released them to the market. So uh, we're going through that process at the moment. Uh, so we've planted them out at our facility here in Berry, New South Wales, and there are a few other places around the country. And they're doing different things to one another, which is the whole point of this, uh, which is cool to see not all of them are the same. Some of them are growing really well. Some of them not so good. Some have better color than others. Some have more seed head than others. So it's going to be a, a cool little thing to play with. And maybe one day down the track, we'll have a buffalo that does a lot better things, a lot of better things than the current buffaloes do on the market. Maybe we won't, but that's the beauty of what we're doing. We'll soon yeah. find out. That's it. A lot goes into it over a number of years. But yeah, fingers crossed. It'll be interesting to see what we can end up with. And um, there, it's a big part of the LSA um, program is obviously, yeah, we've got Bermuda grasses, Zoysia grasses, um, yeah, buffalo grasses. So uh, looking for the you know, new and improved things for consumers to make uh, yeah, landscaping and, and lawn areas better. Um, better just for everyone moving forward. So um, I guess moving into sort of a, the home or, homeowner market a little bit, um, obviously we have a lot to do with lawn care and, and, and information in that area. Um, what's, what's currently going on in the lawn industry? Yeah, um, we've had some pretty crazy weather uh, lately when it comes to turf. So the last six weeks, I know if you just take the East Coast or even the East Coast of New South Wales, Victoria and Southern Queensland, it's it's been good turf growing weather. It's been hot, we've had rain, it's been humid. We're two hours south of Sydney and it's been like Brisbane here uh, the last little bit. We've had a storm nearly every afternoon and that's great for growing grass, but it does provide uh, promote some issues such as disease. There's been a little bit of disease thrown around. And with grass growing so quickly, if you're not on top of your mowing, we're seeing a lot of people scalping their lawns pretty regularly. So uh, there's a couple of things coming out of that um, that, we've had to been able to that we've had to be able to manage. Uh, the thing with scalping, like, if your grass is growing so much at the moment and you literally cannot keep on top of your mowing, there's a couple of things you can do. You can bite the bullet and drop the height and reset your crown height by scalping your lawn. It's not too late to do this at the moment. I wouldn't go all the way to the dirt, but just remove that that very top of the plant and then try and continue to mow regularly to reset the crown height of your grass and you can get rid of a lot of that scalping. But I'd encourage people if they haven't already to check out a, a PGR, a plant growth regulator like Primo Max, like... I think uh, they're one of the most underutilized products in the turf industry. Like they will, they reduce seed head production. They'll prevent your grass from growing so quickly vertically, so you're not scalping every time you mow, and it'll reduce the maintenance because you just simply won't have to mow enough um, as as much. And they don't affect the lateral growth of plants; it's just vertical growth. So I think if you're having issues with that, it's probably worth checking out a PGR plant growth regulator like Primo. And just coming into something else that I think um, I think you're going to touch on it just then. It's going to going to become very prominent soon. I think is grubs, uh, lawn grubs. We normally get a hit of of army worm here, um, or lawn grub as they call it. And I think they call it lawn grub in Brisbane. Um, uh, in about March, April, and we're coming up to that now. And I just think. We've had such a good growing season, uh, not early on in spring. It took a little, uh, it took till Christmas to really get going here, but after that, it's been great. Lawns are going to be green, they're going to be full of nutrient, they're going to be looking good. And there's a saying about grubs that they eat the best and leave the rest. So, yeah, we've definitely started seeing a little bit that a lot of inquiries at this stage. A little bit of confusion, I guess. Sometimes grubs get the, the short end of the stick when it comes to the blame straight away. Uh, a little bit of heat stress in some situations we've noticed. So, it's important to diagnose um, what's going on with your lawn, um, doing a grub test, you know, seeing what's present there, making sure it's, you know, lawn grubs or black beetle larvae and not, not the good 
good an, good insects that are present as well um, and yeah, identifying the issue and then taking the right steps to fixing it so I think that's the important thing is it's not always yeah lawn grubs but um yeah looking at all the things but we're always here answering those questions happy to help as well yeah. so if anyone wanted to reach out we're um, always uh, open to yeah send us photos we yeah. can help we can help and yeah diagnosing is pretty easy and you get a bucket of warm soapy water and you tip it over the area that you think there might be grubs or you go out there in the evening uh, get a wet towel lay it on the grass and pull it up in the morning and there's grubs under the towel you've got an issue if not it's probably something else like nate mentioned it might be heat stress or or one of a one of a hundred different issues but definitely something to keep looking out for if you see increased moth activity increased bird activity on your lawn you might want to look at uh, getting something uh, getting something on there pretty quick if you do find you have grubs it's really important to use a knockdown insecticide straight away we sell one called battle insecticide anything with bifenthrin as the active is going to work really well particularly for armyworm and other surface dwelling grubs and then ongoing a celeprin gr grub guard ultimate uh, they're really good insurance uh, insurances against further grub attack uh, but it is important if you do have grub to use a knockdown and then use a preventative like a celeprin or grub guard ultimate yeah and um, repeated applications with a knockdown after a few weeks and you know, the life cycle of these lawn grubs um, can can mean that you're not you're not hitting them the first time so yeah definitely repeated applications because it's really important to get on top of that infestation to ensure that yeah you, you're, you're putting a stop to the damage that's being done to the lawn so that you can help it recover before temps start to decline again, which um, which I guess we need to start thinking about um, this time of year, getting our lawn care planned for the coming months. Yep. So um, it's funny how it's so hot and, and, and the grass is growing so quick at the moment. We do have to keep one eye on next season as temperatures start to drop. Um, we've got to start thinking about a winter pre-emergence, um, which is pretty important. I know it's still hot now, but you'll be surprised. We'll get a string of cold weather and winter grass will actually start to think about germinating. Um, so... It's really important, particularly if you're in the southern states um, and winter grass is an issue for you, let's start to look at uh, things like Oxifert, Oxapro um, as a pre-emergent herbicide because, again, whilst it's still warm, it's really good to get the jump uh, on weeds like winter grass and prevent them uh, from from emerging and then seeding. So if you apply now and then apply in three months' time, you can pretty much guarantee yourself of a free winter grass-free lawn. And not just winter grass, summer grass, crab grass, crows, but all those sort of things, depending where you are. If they're a pain for you and you want to get on top of them, you can start a pre-emergent program with Oxifert tomorrow. Like it doesn't matter. You just use 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 the start of winter as a bit of a kick to maybe get you into gear and, and use them every, every 10 to 12 weeks anyway because they're great products. And these weeds are really hard to spray out once they emerge. So it's good to get on top of them now and Use this, um, use this as a bit of a as a bit of a kickstart to maybe get onto a, a pre-emergent program because I think they're pretty important. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, thanks, Joe. Good to have you back. Yeah, thanks for having me. I thought it was um it was good to chat, and we'll um we'll no doubt have some more topics to talk about soon. 